Good morning. Good morning to you all and a very warm welcome to our morning service. Uh, if you're uh, here online, it's gr- if you're here, if you're online, it's wonderful that you've been able to join us this morning. Uh, isn't this just such a fabulous time of year? Life seems to be bursting out uh, wherever you look. The deafs are coming up, there's blossom on the trees. Uh, it's just such a heartwarming uh, time of year. Uh, if you're uh, with us this morning and you're visiting, uh, please do say hello. Uh, grab me afterwards. It'd be great to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, this morning, uh, Colin's going to be beginning a new sermon series looking at uh, Psalms 113 through 116. These are the Psalms that Jesus uh, would have sung uh, in the run-up to the Passover. Uh, so he'll be preaching on Psalm 113 this morning. But before we start our service this morning, uh, let's just take a moment uh, to pause, uh, to uh, ready our hearts. Uh, perhaps start the, mo- the service this morning just with a moment of silence. Uh, perhaps close uh, our eyes uh, and bow our heads. I'm sure we've had busy mornings, many distractions, uh, running around our minds, uh, particularly if we're at home. Things that have been going on, struggles, maybe just getting here this morning was a trial. Traffic, frustrations, the challenges of life, the trials of life maybe, crowding in. Just take a moment to, uh, to let those things go. And let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you that we can gather together and worship you. As we pray, hear your word read and preached and sing songs of praise and adoration. By your spirit and through your word, speak to us this morning. Be at work in our hearts, reminding us afresh of your love for us and of our need for you. Both revealed in and through the work of Christ Jesus on the cross. Stir our hearts this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible reading this morning is Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, The name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Mary. If you could uh, keep that open, uh, Psalm 113 open, that would be great as you follow along with us. Let me pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, 
we praise you because you are the God of all things. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to hear your voice this morning. That it wouldn't be the voice of a man that we would hear, but the voice of the Lord that would speak into our minds and into our hearts. That we would worship him, that we would leave this place singing his praises. And this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you have a favorite song that you sing, maybe when you feel a little bit low in your life? Maybe it's an old hymn that everyone might know. Uh, Maybe it's a more modern worship song. Or maybe it's a pop song that you just know through time that has brought you a lot of comfort in dark times. Because when you look through history, uh, and even people today, they tend to sing when things get difficult. It brings a sense of comfort. And recently, many of you will have seen uh, the encouraging video from Ukrainian, uh, from Ukraine, where Ukrainian Christians were singing in a, an underground uh, passageway. Because God's people sing. We have so much to sing about, as despite the various situations that we find ourselves in, we have an eternal and unchanging hope. Now for ourselves this morning, as we think about uh, beginning a new series, we're thinking about uh, the songs that Jesus sang. That is, these Easter Psalms. Imagine, if you will, the scene in Jesus' day. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he sat down at a table with his disciples. He sat down to celebrate Passover, a Passover meal. A scene made famous by the artist Leonardo da Vinci in The Last Supper. And whilst celebrating it, Jesus took the cup, passed it to his disciples, and before they went out to the Mount of Olives, they sang a hymn together. And what did they sing? Well, they sang psalms connected with the Passover meal. Psalms 113 all the way through to 118, which are known as the Egyptian halal psalms. Halal in Hebrew means praise. And many of these psalms will begin with halal, hallelujah, that is praise Yahweh or praise the Lord in our Bibles. Over the the next few few weeks then, as we build towards Easter, we'll be thinking about these Psalms, as we build towards the true Passover of Jesus. And Psalm 113 is uh, is the first of these Halal Psalms. It's the one which is sung just before Passover, traditionally by Jewish people even today, and is sung in their homes it's sung a time to commemorate what the Lord has done. For us as Christians, this psalm is traditionally sung on a Sunday evening of Easter Sunday. And as with many psalms, the core message of it is often hidden right in the middle of it. In this case, in Psalm 113, verse 5 is really the key verse. Who is like the Lord our God? Answer, no one. No one is like the Lord. 
And the psalmist calls every God, every person who follows him, every person who follows the Lord, to praise the Lord. As the psalmist calls all people everywhere to praise the Lord who's unlike us. To praise him because he's totally unlike us. And he does it really focusing on three aspects. One is to praise him in his name, in his being, and in his actions. To praise the Lord who's totally unlike us in his name, in his being, and in his actions. And so firstly, praise the Lord who's unlike us in his name. The psalmist wants to highlight just how distinct the Lord is from every other God, small g. He does so by calling God's people to praise the name of the Lord. The three times from verse 1 to 3, he exhorts the hearers of the psalm to praise the name of the Lord. And it's not a, a general call to random people, but a call to the servants of the Lord. And he doesn't just mean Moses or Joshua or people like that, but anyone who has a heart for the Lord, a heart to serve him and to sacrifice for him. He calls all God's people to praise his name. As in the ancient times, in that time in the Near East, it represented something of the person. The name represented something. It told you about their character and their nature. You think of the name Moses, which means to draw out as he was taken out of the water by the Pharaoh's daughter. Or Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Or perhaps if, like me, you visit Glasgow and you're my height, people will say to you, all right, big man, followed by how's the weather up there? <laughs> but when it comes to the Lord, the Lord is, he is distinct. And the most obvious place that the Jewish hearer would have gone to, to think about who the Lord is, would have been Exodus 3. When the Lord reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush and calls him to bring his people out of Egypt. As the Lord describes himself to Moses as, I am who I am. That, that is what you are to say to the Israelites, he says to the Moses. I am has sent you to them. As the Lord is the unchanging, eternal God who has never changed. Who was and is and is to come. He's unchanging in every way. Unchanging in his wisdom, his goodness, his knowledge, his love, his justice, his power, and his mercy. The Lord is totally unchanging. And this is the call to worship him. For God's people to worship him in every way, forever. As it gives reference to the name of the Lord in caps, as you see there, it is the Lord's name that is distinct, Yahweh. He is set apart the Lord is not just holy, but he is holy, holy, holy. That's why in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, the Lord calls us not to misuse, misuse the name of the Lord. Speaking with a, a Christian recently, he was just saying how difficult it can be to be in a workplace day upon day when the Lord's name is constantly misused. As someone who loves the Lord and loves his name, 
it can be really difficult to hear his name blasphemed all the time. But perhaps as Christians we have to ask, well, what is our response? How do we look at the Lord's name? Do we revere it or do we use it casually? Maybe if we, if something goes wrong in our day, do we throw it out? But the Lord is to be praised. He's to be praised for who he is, who he's revealed himself to be. And another episode in Exodus, in Exodus 34, the Lord says, describing his character, he says that he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, but does not leave the wicked unpunished. And this is who the Lord is. This is not just what he's like, but who he truly, really is. That he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. As it reveals something of who he is, God reveals who he is to the Lord. And now through Jesus, through Christ, we are called to praise him through who he has revealed himself to be. We can praise his holy name. And this is really what is remembered at the Passover meal, God's people being delivered from slavery as we are delivered from our sins. And therefore, in the light of who the Lord is and what he has done for his people, the psalmist calls God's people to unending worship throughout the world. As as you look there in verse 2, he calls his hearers to praise the name of the Lord both now and forevermore. To praise him from where the sun rises to where the sun sets. In other words, from dawn till dusk, from east to west. He calls God's people to unending worship and calls us as his people to praise him throughout the earth. To praise him in every nation. To go and to proclaim his name to everyone everywhere and we can now join in that worship as we think about our true passover lamb our lord jesus who has delivered us from our slavery to sin that we can worship him and yet as we reflect on our own lives on our own hearts on our own weeks perhaps is your heart posture to give glory to god from morning to night in every place that we go, to not grumble or complain about what others have done or said, but to live in a way that brings praise and glory to God. Does that describe your life? Or is there something else perhaps that you you meditate on day to day? Some other God that stirs your affections and guides your daily meditations. Perhaps your heart at the moment is filled with worry. The worries of war, the worries of COVID or rising gas prices or the worries of inflation. Maybe you're worried about your children or your spouse, your job, your singleness, your friendship the exams that you may have to face, the university that you may or may not go to, whatever the future may hold, those are the things that might be meditating on your heart. Whatever most consumes our affections is actually a really true place 
of worship, what we truly worship, our true God, if you like. And yet it's not a God at all. It is an idol that promises everything, but yet doesn't deliver anything. As Calvin says, our hearts are an idol factory. We continually look for things to worship everything and anything else other than the Lord. And therefore, as we sit under the word, as we read his word, as we share in the word, we hear the voice of Jesus calling us back to himself that we would worship him and him alone. To turn back to him for who he really is. Not who we might think he is, but who he really is. As we praise the Lord, who is unlike us in his name and also unlike us in his being. As you look there in verse 5, as the psalmist asked the question, who is like the Lord our God? Who's like the Lord our God compared to all the other gods? No one. No one compares. No one is like the Lord our God. And why is that? Because, as you see there in verse 4, the, the Lord is exalted above the nations. His glory is not in the heavens or reaches to the heavens, but above the heavens. To understand what an infinite God is like, we would need to be infinite. And we are not. It's said that uh, a Russian astronaut went into space once and then turned back to look at the earth and said, I don't see God up here. I thought I would. But the Lord is not like us. He reigns over all the nations, over every nation, even Russia, even Ukraine, North Korea, Nigeria, and everywhere else, even our own. As God is so far above us, he transcends above everything and needs nothing from us. He is entirely self-sufficient. And as one theologian says, he is wholly other. God is totally unlike us. It is this God of infinite love, infinite power, wisdom, goodness, who is love himself, who is goodness in himself, who is life in himself that speaks to us in scripture. This is who we worship. And this is good news. It is good news for us. It's good news because we worship this God. It's good news because, spoiler alert, if you're on session four of fear and anxiety, it speaks of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, when we fear him truly, then everything else is put in its proper place. If we have a a grand and vast view of who the Lord is, we can have peace in our lives. We can enjoy rest for our hearts. Because the Lord is sovereign and in control of everything. And we can humbly admit that we are not. We can come to him who knows all things, who is all-powerful, eternal, and unchanging in his character, and rest in that. One uh, Swiss reformer, Henrik Bullinger, 
describes the Lord as saying this. He is the abundant fullness that satisfies all men and all things. He is the everlasting well of all good things, which never runs dry. Because he is ultimate and eternal, we can draw from him. Such is his vastness that we can't even begin to comprehend him. And that is a praiseworthy thing. And yet, as it says in verse 5, as the one who sits enthroned on high, he is also the one who stoops down to look. As this psalm is sung at the Passover meal, to remember the fact that the Lord hears the people's cry in Egypt, and he stoops down from his throne and delivers them through signs, wonders, and mighty acts of judgment. All the other gods of Egypt, well, they're either described as being above creation, above all things, or part of creation. And yet the Lord is unlike them. He is over all things and yet actively participating in all things. The Lord is not like the great watchmaker who you wind him up and he lets things go. And nor is he in creation like the film Avatar where the people connect to creation. No, the Lord is both over all things and engaged with all things. He is the Lord and there is no other. The Lord is unlike any other because he reigns over creation and yet stoops down to his creation, to our level. And therefore we can praise him as he is so unlike us. He's unlike us in his name, in his being, and in his actions towards us. As you turn your eye there to verse 7, you see that the Lord raises the poor from the dust and the needy from the ash heap. Or as it's literally translated, the dung heap. As he settles the childless woman in her home. This is not just a a lack of some things, but a lack of anything. To be a childless woman in that day meant you had no future. When it speaks of poverty, it is destitution. You have no hope. You are desperate and only truly death awaits. When it comes to to how people uh, interact with desperate people, many people who wouldn't even profess faith would see the suffering of others, especially at this time in Ukraine, and would really want to respond to help them. That's a great thing. They want to act with those who have been left destitute and homeless, unsure of what future they may have. And yet as believers, as followers of Jesus, we can hold out the reason why we help people, the reason why we engage, because they are made in the image of God. Every single person has value and dignity. And as Christians, we're called to love our neighbor. To love all people, especially those in desperation. And yet, as we think of Christians, other Christians, we are bound together even tighter. We are tied together 
in Christ to all our brothers and sisters suffering all over the world from Nigeria to North Korea and everywhere else in between. And therefore we pray to the God of all creation that he would look down on them and help them. That we would be able to pray to him, pray together with our brothers and sisters who are suffering. The true poverty that the the psalmist speaks of in Psalm 113 is the desperate state of the Israelites in Egypt. And yet the Lord does stoop down to look on them, as it says, and deliver them from their desperate plight. For us, it's really only when we see the majesty, the glory of God, that we realize our own spiritual poverty. As before the face of a holy God, my true spiritual state is exposed. I realize just where I stand before the Lord. My wealth is no wealth at all, really. As I realize that no matter how hard I work, no matter how many good things I do, no matter how many charities I support, no matter how much status I gain, my spiritual poverty can't be covered up before the Lord. I realize that however prosperous I may feel, symbolized especially in that culture of the day, with, with children, I'm still in desperate need of the Lord. Our temptation, even as Christians, is as if we have seen uh, we don't actually have any need, then we may not rely on the Lord. If that's the case, then we are at risk of becoming self-reliant, self-sufficient and self-righteous as we have all that we need as our question is not the question of many other many others in the world the question is not do we have food to eat today but what food what kind of food will we eat today the question is not do we have clothes to wear but what type of clothes shall we wear today The question is is not, can I have a holiday at all? The question is, where will I go on holiday this year? As the Lord doesn't favor the rich and the powerful, but only those who acknowledge their spiritual poverty, those who acknowledge their need of him. As Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for for theirs is the kingdom of God. Therefore, as people who have so much, do you recognize your desperate need of the Lord today? Or are you self-sufficient? Only when we recognize our deep need of the Lord can we ever praise him for what he has done for us. As he lifts the poor to be seated with princes. From a place of disgrace to a place of honor and glory. He gathers them to sit with all his other people who dwell in his royal presence. Yet how can he say, as it says in verse 9, settle the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children? 
How is that possible? As speaking to, to some people who have suffered the agony of being unable to conceive or perhaps the pain of, of miscarriages, it is like a dagger in the heart at times. It's painful to talk about. It's like prodding on an open wound. Total agony. How can the Lord say that he settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children? As the Lord says in Isaiah 54, he calls on the woman who never bore a child to sing as she can have many children. How is that? Because the Lord for us working in Christ places us in a family, a church family. We have been born again, adopted as children of God into the family of God, the local church. A new family where we can share in a new reality that we are no longer spiritual orphans, but children of God, children who are loved by God, our heavenly father. And as children of God, we have been given spiritual mothers and fathers to nurture and care for spiritual children in God's family. In the family of God. Because the church family is a place where fractured families can experience the healing of God's love. Where hurting hearts can find rest. How is that possible? Well, it's possible as we think of who the Lord is. The Lord is the one who is exalted over the nations. The Lord is the one whose glory reaches beyond the heavens. He is the one enthroned on high who needs nothing from anyone. And yet, the Lord is unlike other, unlike any other, because the Lord is the one who doesn't just stoop down to look on his helpless people. No, the Lord Jesus stoops down to live with his people. As the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ steps in to his creation. He steps down as fully God and fully man and comes in the dust, in the dung, in the ash heap of our lives and pays the penalty for our sins by being nailed to a cross in our place. And yet he doesn't stay dead because on the third day he rises from the dead. He rises from the dead, defeating death. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For who is like the Lord our God? The God-man, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord, our God. For Jesus has taken away all of our filth that we can come into his royal family. Jesus has given us life when only death awaited. And Jesus has given us eternal provision that only he can give. 
as we ask the question, who is like the Lord our God? Well, it's the man sitting at the table singing Psalm 113. The God-man, Jesus Christ. The man who invites us to his table to come and eat. And that's why he's at the table. He wants to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. As he's given us a new status as co-heirs with him in his kingdom. He's given us a new song in our hearts as his royal people. As he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths. That you are unlike any other. And so we praise your holy name. We praise you for who you are. That you are majestic, eternal, and unchanging, abounding in love for your people. And we thank you, Lord, that you have revealed yourself through your Son, that we can come to you and praise you as you provide for us. Lord, help us to examine our hearts, to see our desperate need of you, and to come to you and be fed. As we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.